you know, I try not to be an envious person, uh, but there's just certain things that, that just get me and just, you know, turn me green. And basically, people that can work with their hands and, like, make mechanical stuff work uh, and can build stuff and can do that, man, green to the gills. Thank you, Brian. That was, that was beautiful. Um, just at the outset, I want, to, uh, I want to put something on your radar. Uh, this is the last Sunday in September, which means that next Sunday will be the right first Sunday in October, because, you know, calendars. Um, and that kicks off four weeks of Wacky Tacky October. Yeah, at least one person's really jonesing for that. Um, and, uh, and so throughout October, um, the messages, uh, we'll, we'll have theme days, like next Sunday is uh, Wacky Hair Day. So whatever it is you do for hair, make it wacky. Um, and, uh, and then we have like a farm day, we have an 80s day. Um, I know it's not 80s day, but I'm only going to call it 80s day because that's all it should be. Um, and then there's uh, pajama day. So um, in conjunction, and that was not in the right order, I'm sure, but you know what to be prepared for. Uh, in conjunction with those theme days, uh, we're kicking off a series next week called Family Matters. And that's going to be four weeks of family-focused messages uh, on parenting, Christian households, um, the church as a family, and, and how to leave a Christian legacy behind. Uh, so I hope you'll be looking forward to that. I hope you'll be thinking about the people in your life who could benefit from that and uh, start uh, looking for opportunities to invite them to come and be part of that because uh, I think it's going to be some really good stuff. But, again, that puts us at the last Sunday in September. Um, we haven't really had a, a definitive kind of preaching series since... Um, back then, when we were doing Jonah, I, I can't honestly remember when that wrapped, like July, early August, something like that. And, uh, and so there hasn't been a, a definitive theme running through uh, between then and now. At least I didn't think there was until I discovered that um, there has been this, this recurring topic, this recurring theme popping up in several messages along the way, since, and it, it started specifically with the last message in Jonah, um, it came up again in um, the communion message, and it came up again last week when Tracy was talking about it, and, and the, the topic, the theme, is this idea of Christians who are not only living with, but have become comfortable and are actively cultivating patterns of sin in their life, um, which... Those should not go together. And, uh, and I think this is a good topic because um, I venture to say any single person in here who is a follower of Christ, you know there is something in your life that you have or are dealing with that is this recurring sin in your life. Um, and if you're a follower of Christ and, and you say, no, that's not me, um, probably lying is the recurring sin in your life. So it, it pretty much, it's universally applicable here. Uh, and it came up, uh, we were talking about Jonah, uh, the last message of Jonah specifically, uh, Tracy had been talking about uh, 
you know, Christians who, you know, followers, believers who let sin creep into their life and start to skew their view on, on, on reality and how the world is supposed to work and how life in Christ is supposed to work. Um, it just now occurs to me, no, it didn't, because that train just <laughs> went off the track, so I don't know where that was going. Um, the communion message uh, I, I, I shared with you, I encouraged you that when we come to communion, we should not come in an unworthy manner. Um, not that we are worthy in and of ourselves, only Christ can make us worthy, but we can actively work to make ourselves unworthy. And again, it's this idea of, I, I claim in the name of Christ, I claim to be a believer, but, you know, on the side, I'm, I'm, I'm cultivating things. I'm, I'm living in patterns. I'm, I'm generating habits in my life that, that don't go together with a Christian life. And then last week, Tracy was talking about, um, and this is beautiful, and I don't think I've ever seen this before, but um, the, the analogy of the lame man at the pool of, yeah, I want to say it was Bethesda, Bethsaida, pardon me. Um, but it was the idea that, you know, sometimes you need to get up and you need to walk away from the thing that's keeping you down. And that, that really, that, that nugget, that idea, is what kind of prompted me this morning. So I want to dig into that a little bit more. And, um, and again, I just want to encourage you, if you are a believer, and there are patterns of sin in your life right now, which probably there are, I am speaking this morning to you. So I just want to start with uh, a story you might be familiar with. Uh, John chapter 8, starting in verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and he wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Most times, when this message is shared, uh, it tends to focus, I think, on the interaction, or maybe lack of interaction, between Jesus and the religious leaders. Uh, these men who are, are dwelling in judgment, and Jesus confronting them for that judgment. And, and pointing out, with no words at all, the hypocrisy of the fact that um, though this woman they have brought has obvious sin in her life, and, and Jesus at no point tries to justify that, but simply, and without saying anything, points out to them, they also are not, with, not without sin. They are living in the condemnation of sin themselves, and so how can they judge one who is no more guilty than they are. 
Uh, but oftentimes we overlook this interaction between Jesus and the woman. And if we just look at that scene and, and kind of put a bubble around it, just Jesus and this woman. This woman who's laying here on the ground, hair bedraggled, covered in dirt and dust, and, and probably her face is streaked with tears. Probably, in all likelihood, dragged through the streets completely naked, uh, trying her best to cover herself um, from prying eyes and, and just from shame. There's not a lot of interaction between Jesus and the, the, the woman. I mean, because you would think the woman is the focus of the story. But there just comes this moment, this one interaction between Jesus and this woman, and he looks at her. And, and I got to think, Jesus looked at her. Jesus saw her. All these other men who had dragged her through the streets saw a thing. Jesus saw her. And he said, so there were a bunch of guys screaming for blood, accusing you of all kinds of stuff. Where'd they go? She said, they left. He goes, I don't, I don't condemn you. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to condemn. I'm not here to condemn you. So you can go from this place. And you know what? I got to think. I'm relatively certain. Jesus probably took off his own robe or cloak or whatever extra thing he was wearing. And he draped it around. I mean, I can't imagine he kicked her off and sent her down the street completely naked. Because that's not what Jesus does. And so I got to imagine he would have taken off his cloak or whatever and draped it around her, and said, go, and sin no more. And that is kind of one of the most horrible statements in the Bible. Because of what it has done to us down through the ages. Because we all know, it may not be her sin, but we all have that sin within us. We all have that thing. We all have that thing. Maybe the thing is some adulty sort of thing. Which, of course, this would be a non-kids world day. But you know what I'm saying. Maybe your thing is a substance sort of thing. But maybe your thing is, is one of those less frowned upon, less obviously bad things. Maybe your thing is judgment. Maybe your thing is that there's no one who passes through the sphere of your life that you do not sit in judgment on. Maybe your thing is the need to be better than everybody else. Maybe your thing is the need to work and work and work to somehow prove value. Just because your thing is not specifically mentioned as a bad thing in the Bible doesn't mean it's bad. And quite honestly, I'll tell you this. If there's something in your life that's separating from you from God and you have heard God say, this is a bad thing, that's sin. So whatever our thing is, we get this message, we get this story, we see this woman, and though our sin may not be the same, we look at it and go, yes, I get it. I understand. I've been in her position. 
I know how she feels. And then Jesus says, go and sin no more. What do I do with that? Go and sin no more? If I could go and sin no more, I wouldn't need Jesus to save me from sin, yeah? But, I don't think that was the end of the story. Not Jesus' story. And, and I think part of the problem we have is that we have academics who have tried to help us. So, when they put the Bible together, right? No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. The very next text we get is a big, bold header that says, I am the light of the world. Which would seem to signify that story is over. Jesus has moved on. We're now on to a different topic. So we're left with go and sin no more. And now we're doing something different. But if, if we could go back and we could see the original story, the original letter of John, we could go back and see his gospel and the way he wrote it and the way it was laid out, we would see, you know, there, there wouldn't be footnotes. There, there wouldn't be commentary. There wouldn't be headings to let us know what I'm supposed to be looking for because the story would read like this. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's completely different. Because before, it was sin no more. And now I'm moving on to something else. Now it's sin no more. And you can do this because I, Jesus, am the light of the world. And I'm going to share that light with you. And you will have my light. And it will be my light that allows you to sin no more. And unfortunately, we have a lot of people claiming the name of Christ. A lot of people claiming to be Christians. And a lot of people who do those things and continue to live in the darkness. And if you sit here this morning and you have those patterns of, of, of sin in your life and you have those unhealthy pre, uh, habits and those unhealthy practices and you can't seem to get past them and you can't seem to get over them, there's a good chance it's because you claim the name of Christ but you're living in darkness. First Peter chapter uh, two. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Jesus is supposed to be an example. Jesus is supposed to be a role model, and we are supposed to be followers. And, and just to make sure we're all on the same page, what would be a 
defining characteristic of someone who follows? Yes, they follow. They, remember you were a child once and you played follow the leader? Do you remember how that worked? Like, there was a leader who did stupid things and everybody else followed, right. Yeah, I knew you were with me. You know, you would go, you're the leader, you jump in puddles, you crawl under things, you crawl over things, you crawl through a ditch in the ground. You do stupid things because you know full well there's 15 people behind you all going to do those exact same things. And it was cool. And sometimes our parents suggested, play follow the leader. And then 10 years, 15 years later, your parents throw the, well, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? I don't know. I've been training for it my entire life. It kind of seems like it'd work that way. As a follower of Christ, we are supposed to look at the example of Christ, at the role model Christ was, at the things Christ did. We are supposed to look at his footsteps and walk in them. We, as believers, as followers, are supposed to do what he did. Not as well, not as good, not as completely, not as proficiently, but we're supposed to make the effort. And sometimes we'll fall down, and sometimes we'll slip, and sometimes we'll make mistakes, but at least we're trying and we're moving in the right direction. He was an example. He left footsteps. We should be walking in those. <clears throat> Pardon me. No one, who's, uh, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Boom. You got a sin problem in your life? There it is. If you don't want to have a sin problem, you must abide in him. You must dwell in him. You must reside in him. You must wait on him. You must wrap your entire being up in the being of Jesus Christ and dwell there. And when you do, your sin problem may not go away, but it diminishes. It becomes smaller because it's not you. It's him. See, as, as we looked at those messages I, I've, I've, I've referenced, you know, we look and we see um, Christians who, who are, are cultivating patterns of sin in your life, and we look at that and go, you know what, that's right, that's a bad thing, I shouldn't do that. And, and we look at, you know, we should examine our lives. We should be open and honest with Jesus and look at our life and go, you know, Jesus, I got this thing, and, and I've been digging it. It's not good for me. It's really bad. I shouldn't be doing it, but I like it. But, but maybe it's time for it to go. And we look at the man who gets up and he walks away from it. 
And we say, yes, that's what I need to do. I need to leave it behind me. I need to walk away from it. And then sometimes we try. And, you know, sometimes we get those testimonies of people that were, you know, they were drugs and, and alcohol and gangs and, and murder and heroin and extortion and, and biker gangs and whatever. And then they met Jesus and everything disappeared and got better. Well, praise God, hallelujah for you, but that doesn't do me any good. That just makes me look at a story like that and go, why didn't, why didn't that work for me? How, how, come, how come when I came to Jesus, everything didn't just disappear? And so we, we look at our life, we look at the patterns, and we, and we go, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm going to sin no more. And, and we try. We look at that thing, and we name it, and we go, I, I got to not do that. And we try. But, but sometimes life gets hard, and life gets complicated, and it's, it's so easy to just run back to that thing. Or sometimes we try, we really try. We knuckle down and we try to fight against that thing and we seem to make progress and we seem to make progress, but one day we wake up and realize, man, I'm no better off than I was. I haven't accomplished anything. In most cases, if, if you've tried that fight, you've tried that struggle and you haven't emerged victorious, it's because you're still living in darkness. I just want to wrap here. I want to give you a little, little visual representation for the visual learners in the crowd. Can we get those lights or lack thereof? Oh, God. I got this terrible stuff in my life, and I know it's bad, and I know I need to get away from it, and I need you to deliver me from it. I need to turn my back on it. I need to offer it up and I need to let it go and I need to get past it and defeat it. And I'm trying so hard, but I can't. That ever been you? Is that maybe you right now? You fought so hard and you just don't see the progress. You just don't see it happening. You feel, in spite of the fact that you have called out to God to help you, you find yourself still entrapped and ensnared and, and a prisoner. And then, not only are you trapped in that, but then you're stuck with the guilt of, what's wrong with me? Am I really so bad that God can't help me? No, 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 no. The problem is you are trying to fight the darkness from in the dark. Anybody remember time time Tracy, Tracy brings out the light box? And we see in a really beautiful way how easily light diminishes the darkness. Darkness does not diminish darkness. And if you have come to a point in your life where you're looking at the sin in your life and you're going, I don't want to be trapped by that anymore. I don't want to be subject to that anymore. And you're trying to get past it from inside the dark, it's not going to work. And you will come to a place where you'll either say, 
I'm just too bad. I'm just, I'm just a loser. I'm just irredeemable. Or maybe you come to a point where you just accept it and you go, you know what? It's just the way I am. That's just how I was made. But see, Jesus just told us, go and sin no more because I am the light of the world. And if you are in me, my light is in you. And we find that if we step into the light, it is the light that diminishes the darkness. Not our efforts, not our struggle, his. His light that he has put in us diminishes the darkness. His light, not our effort, is what puts us over the top. What gives us the victory. What allows us to move past those things. What allows us to say, you know what? Once I was blind, but now I see. Once I was entrapped, but now I've been delivered. But you have to put yourself and keep yourself in the light. You have to make the presence of Jesus Christ a regular thing in your life. You have to regularly come to God in prayer because that's where he is. You need to regularly come to God in scripture because that's where he is. You need to regularly come to God in, in genuine, authentic worship because that's where he is. You need to come to God in Christian community because that's where he is. And editorial note, this is not Christian community. This is a community of Christians. But a Christian community is a group of people who can be open and honest and loving with each other and spill out that ugly stuff that's in them to a group of people they can trust who will say, you are not alone because we are with you and God is with you. And it's in doing those things that we put ourselves regularly, consistently living a life in the light. And if you have spent too much time trying to fight the darkness from the darkness, trying to fight the darkness from your own efforts, maybe it's time to give the light a chance. Because then you realize it's not you that's fighting, it's him that is. And you will find it won't be easy, it won't be instantaneous, but you will find over the course of time that you'll look back and you'll see things that you never thought you could get past. You never thought you'd get the victory over, and you'd see it in your rearview mirror. And that's not to get proud. That's not to say, "Woo, look what I did. But that's an opportunity to go, oh my God, you are so good. Because while I could not claim victory, you delivered me to victory. If you are in the dark this morning, here, now, this morning, you can make a choice to not live there any longer. And that choice is to follow in the steps of Jesus. Stand with me as we close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the opportunity that we could come and we can gather together, for the opportunity to, to lift our voices in worship to you. 
to call out to you in your goodness and to acknowledge that, that you are the source of light and of life. I just pray, Father, as we go from this place, we would go in your presence. We would go in your presence today and this afternoon and tomorrow and each day. Not, not out of guilt, not out of some twisted form of obedience, but out of the knowledge that in your presence is where life and light dwells. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to smile upon you. And may you live each and every moment of your life in the goodness, the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness of the light that is Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.